And we combined have lived in Iraq for... 11 years. We get a lot of questions about life in Iraq. And we decided that the best way to address those questions is to do a little podcast. So we're going to answer some questions that are really common. The ones we get asked all the time. Yeah, because apparently it's a weird thing to live in Iraq. Who knew? Yeah, strange. So, our topic today is the weather, which is like everybody's favorite thing to talk about, right? Well, in Iraq, kind of. Yes, (laughs) but okay, maybe we need a disclaimer. When we're talking about the weather, we're actually talking about the weather. That's true, because sometimes the weather in Iraq can mean politics. Or some other topic, but in code. Right. Like, if you're saying that it's really hot, it means that, like, politically things are getting, like, well, hot, heated up, controversial. And there's also some other layers to it that I never figured out. Where someone once told me that I commented about how I thought it was going to rain and it meant that, like, some political party was going to do something and I I got really confused. I was like, no, that's not what I mean at all. I mean, I actually think it might precipitate water from the sky. Right. So unsurprisingly, weather can be a a controversial thing in Iraq, just (laughs) like everything else. (laughs) But the truth is, there is always something about the real weather to talk about. And I feel like it like many of these other topics, is one of the most common questions that I get asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do you stand the heat? And, but isn't it just, like, super dry? Who yes. Like, thinks it's a desert. Yes. And technically it, it is, I think. Not the northern part. But not, like, not, like, the Sahara. It's not really a desert. It's not large dunes of sand. No. It just, there's not a lot of trees. That's true. And things are brown most of the year. So let's let's address the heat thing first, since that's what we usually get asked about. And, and to some extent, like, the expectation, the idea, it's true. Right. It's, it's really hot. Stinking hot. It's really hot. Um, I mean, I feel like in the summer, it's not uncommon for it to get above 120 degrees. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing about dry heat, I felt like was true, but I also didn't stay through the summer. Oh, it's true. When I got around 100, like, I felt like if it got over about 95, it was just hot and it was just hot all the time and there was nothing you could do about it. And it didn't matter if it got hotter because you were already too hot. See, I felt like that threshold was somewhere around, like, 108. Okay. Like, once you get past 108, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's just really hot. Yeah. Like, I remember coming out of my house and opening the gate of my house, which was a big metal black gate, probably 8 o'clock in the morning because I was on my way to school, and touching the gate and burning my fingers because it was so hot and just being like, I I can't believe this is my life now. Like, how do I even get out of my house? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, when I first landed in Iraq, it was mid-July. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when you travel halfway around the world, your sense of time is just absolutely a jumble. And I remember getting out of the airplane, stepping down onto the tarmac, which is so hot, and thinking, wow, they weren't joking. It is miserably hot here. It's got to be like noon and like this must be the hottest it gets all day. And then I found out it was 6 a.m. Yes. It's like living in an oven. Yeah. And it does not get cool. Like the whole like hot during the day, cool at night thing. Like I... It doesn't do that. From probably the end of April until sometime in October, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I ever felt cool unless I was like directly under an AC unit. Yeah, I would say at least in Suli, it was, I felt like in September when the temperatures dropped back down into like the 95 to 100 range, I remember feeling like, wow, it's cooled off so much. It feels so mm-hmm. nice. And, yeah. Well, and I will also say that was in Howler. Yeah, it's hotter I, there. I don't remember being as uncomfortably hot into Hook. I mm-hmm. felt like it was cooler. There's yeah. more mountains. More mountains. It's fractionally closer to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough, but I mean, there's more. It, there's more water there as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, so and, but that's part of it. Is it's so so dry? Mm-hmm. Um, that first week, I remember I was there in mid July and. We would drink bottles of water all day long and never have to use the restroom and never felt sweaty and never, Mm -hmm. like, we're just continually chugging down the water and it seemed to just evaporate right out of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the thing that took me the longest to adjust to was how, because I grew up in the South where it's humid Mm -hmm. all the time. Like I grew up in Florida mostly. Where, you know, you walk outside and you're immediately dripping in sweat. So to be able to figure out that, like, I was dehydrated without the normal signs of dehydration, like excessively sweating, Mm. was really a weird adjustment. I definitely felt thirsty all the time. Mm. I remember probably my first couple weeks there, we, yeah, yeah, my first couple weeks, we had to go out and find the big bottles of water that like you replace on your water cooler Uh uh-huh it was like the worst timing it was ramadan the Mm. end of like towards the end of ramadan but ramadan so no drinking water or eating publicly for Mm -hmm. sure it was a friday oh at again at the end of ramadan so everyone is like in mosque all the shops are closed and it's like a hundred and probably 10 or 15 degrees outside and we were like we have no water we don't really know how to get water so we're just going to wander around and find a shop and buy some water (laughs) and I thought we were going to die because we did eventually find water but you know it's one of those like five gallon Mm -hmm. things that weighs like it's super heavy and then we had to carry it home and we ended up just putting it in the street and kicking it down the street because we were like (laughs) We're too hot to carry this. Like, we're not strong enough. We're already dehydrated. We're just going to die out here. And I'm sure our neighbors thought we were crazy. So it is It is not a joke. No, I think um, I had an advantage in that coming from northern Idaho where it's already dry. Yeah. Like, I don't think I had ever really regularly used lotion. <laughs> it's an 
essential staple for life and interaction. I didn't even bring any. Like, I was just uh, like, oh, no, what do I, I never used. And then it was like, oh, my skin is, it suffered. It's Let's just suffered. leave it at that. <laughs> my skin suffered. Not everything about Iraq is hot all the time. No, certainly not. I mean, that's the summer mm-hmm. and into some of what we would normally think of as the fall. But it does have winter. Right. It does exist, especially in the mountains. But yeah, even in Halaire, it got down pretty cold. We definitely got below freezing in Suli every year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it did every year in Halaire, but Dehuk for sure. Yeah, I think it got colder um, there. And there again, you're kind of battling the um, buildings were built for a hot climate. <laughs> and so when your house got cold, it never got warm again. Yeah, like, it definitely stays cold. It stays cold. And again, not prepared for inside being as cold, if not colder, than outside. I mean, without central heating, mm-hmm. like, you heat up the little space that you happen to be in, but all the concrete walls and floors and all the marble and tile and everything just stays cold. Yeah. Which I feel like we talked about when we talked about houses yeah. a little bit. But even, like... I would crack up at my students who would come, like, you know, they got, like, four hats on and their jacket zipped all the way up and scarves wrapped around and gloves, and they come to school. And, like, I remember initially being like, this is ridiculous. And then being like, no, I get it. It's so cold. (laughs) Yeah. It's so cold inside. It really is. And, yeah, yeah, we would occasionally get snow. Mm -hmm. It usually snowed at least a couple times. Not... A lot, mm-hmm. but enough. One year, I know, we actually had a snowball fight out in the nice. empty lot next to our house. Nice. And um, all our neighbors ended up watching us. <laughs> and being like crazy, crazy Americans. We talked to them about it afterwards, and they thought it was, like, cute. And <laughs> Children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet they thought we came from a place where snow didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't actually get the snow in the city, there are other ways to get snow. Oh, yeah. All you have to do, and, you know, this is this is a great business plan. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is drive up into the mountains, shovel it all into a truck, and drive it down and sell it in little baggies for a thousand dinar per baggie of snow. For real? For real. <laughs> like... How mm. <laughs> and people would actually buy. Oh, everyone bought it. Everyone just thought it was the most fun thing. You get like two or three snowballs out of a little baggie of snow. You play with it, and they they eat it too. I, I never ate it. Yeah, it seemed a little dirty to me. But yeah, um, yeah, it's very very exciting. Um, Park outside of school as it's about to let out. <laughs> that's that's good business planning. There. Uh-huh. Like that's that's clever. I never experienced that. <laughs> um, I did experience snow picnics. Ooh. Go um, stick your blanket out on the snow? No, no. In the Kurdish sense of picnic of we're going on an adventure. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say I experienced this, but I never actually went on any of these trips because I know how Kurds drive, and I know they're not <laughs> used to the snow. And I was like, I do not want to be in a car that a Kurdish person is driving in the snow. Like, that just seems like it's going to be bad. Um, so I was never quite brave enough. They get in their cars, 
and they drive until they find snow, and then they get out and they play in the snow. I've seen pictures of some of my teammates who went out and like made snowmen and stuff. Yeah, with Kurdish friends and and mm-hmm. I feel like I can recall doing things like that when I was a kid because again, I grew up in the South and primarily in Florida, but we moved farther north, um, and so I remember getting in the car when we'd had snow and going to find it uh-huh. and playing it. <laughs> going to find it. <laughs> so we we called them snow hunts. That's great. And I know you think that's ridiculous because you're from Idaho, but we here in the South, we got to go looking for our snow. And so, yeah, like I can recall doing that as a child. And so to me, it was just like, yeah, like I get that. I get the like go play in the snow thing. But we never, I don't think we ever got like snow days. No, we didn't either. We would get days off because it was too hot, or we get like half days mm-hmm. um, where we'd only go to school in the morning because it was quote unquote cooler by yeah. like ten degrees, maybe. Which again, when it's over ninety degrees, <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, but we never got out of school because it was too cold. No, I mean there were days we didn't have electricity or any form of heat, and we were still all right, at school and sitting in the the dark and laughing mm-hmm. at ourselves like crazy people because no one can see you can't anything. see anything <laughs> and like you can't even hardly tell your students apart because they look like little dark marshmallows of <laughs> coats and hats dark marshmallows that's accurate <laughs> like yes very descriptive I actually specifically one year brought back fingerless like fingertipless gloves mm-hmm. and stuff so that like I could keep my hands warm and still use the marker right on the whiteboard yeah. because it's just so cold. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would wear coat, scarf, and hat to class. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I ever wore gloves. I like how uniform went out the right, window. Right, went out the window because like, like you got to be warm. Who cares what you're wearing underneath your coat? Mm-hmm. That's all we see all day is your coat. Yep. Good times. <laughs> I feel like um, electricity tended to be less reliable in the winter yeah, to some extent. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really hard because it's winter and the days are shorter and it just gets darker earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a single woman, like you can't really be out after dark unless, I don't know, maybe when you're driving, it's different. If you drive yourself, it's a little different. If you're with, you know, a married a, couple mm-hmm. or, you know, you have appropriate protection or something right. it which, works but which I feel like for most of my time I didn't have like I never had a car mm-hmm. so it was always and no one on our team did so we always taxied and so in the winter it it feels very limiting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there are only so many hours that you can go out and get things done and then when you are home at night and the power goes out you spend a lot of your time sitting around in the dark or with candles. Yeah, grading papers by candlelight. Which seems romantic, and it is the first time. <laughs> but when it happens every day for a month, it's kind of like, I am done with this. Yeah. And so I think for me, and for a lot of the women that I lived with, um, winter was hard mm-hmm. because it's just dark Yeah. for so long mm-hmm. and cold. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be outside doing anything. But and there's... Then, there's hope. There is hope. And then and then spring comes and it's just like this beautiful time of like that's the best time. If you're ever going to go to Iraq or Kurdistan, 
um, go in March. March, yep. Is the best time to go. Looks like pictures of Ireland Mm -hmm. and all the beautiful greenness you can think of. Yeah, beautiful rolling green hills and flowers and like... The temperatures are balmy and sunny and beautiful. And and it's usually breezy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, that's what Nowrose is, as we've talked about in the past. And that's why (laughs) Nowrose is then, because it's actually nice to be outside. And you get those three weeks where you can kind of do whatever you want. Because you don't have, you know, everything kind of shuts down so that people can go outside and enjoy, enjoy the weather. Enjoy Get all the, the vitamin D for three weeks and out grass. of the year. And I remember going to a park with some teammates. And it was in, in the evening and early in the spring. And just being like, I'm going to take my shoes off. I'm going <laughs> to take my shoes off and walk around in the grass. Because, like, it's kind of, I it's kind of shameful to do that. And I was like, it's dark. Who's going to (laughs) know? And so I did. I took my shoes off and, like, walked around in the cool evening grass. And one one of the guys on my team was like, you know, there's probably like glass and needles and you could step on all kinds of stuff and you wouldn't know because it's dark. And I was just like, thanks for ruining that for me, man. Ruined it. I was having a good time. But before you get that beautiful green. That's true. There is the season of rain. The very short season of rain. There is sometimes a little rain in the fall too. All that green comes from somewhere. And it comes from the rain. Right. Which doesn't do nice, soft Irish rain. No. It's pretty violent rain. Yes. Torrential downpours, which... Some of the most incredible lightning and thunder displays Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. I remember sitting on our third floor looking out across, um, out a window, and counting seconds, like, between lightning strikes. And I could not... I I didn't get to three for over an hour. Wow. Like, I finally gave That's up. Crazy. Um, I think rain actually is the only weather-related reason that I ever got out of class, out of school. Hmm. Like, they ended up sending us home from school because it was raining too much. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's just rain. It's just rain. But the Uh, way the city is built and the way the soil is and the fact that they build all these streets on hills, but they don't have any drainage for any of the streets because they don't get a lot of rain. And all the houses don't really have yards. They just have tiled and concrete patios. Mm -hmm. Like everything is paved. Which means that there is a lot of flooding. Yeah, there's no place for the water to go. Right, and we usually walked to school. So when we got out of school early, we were like, eh, we don't really want to walk home in the rain. And I think I think we ended up getting a ride from a student's parents or something, or their taxi driver or something like that. And I remember crossing a bridge, not over a river, just like a bridge, and the bridge being a couple inches deep in water because they didn't put drainage in the bridge for water to drain off and being like, oh, in like an hour, no one's going to be able to get across this bridge. Right. And they did. They ended up shutting parts of the city down because the streets were holding too much water. Right. Yeah. There were certain places I knew that even if the whole city was fine as a whole, like 
like if it's been raining, you can't go down that road. Mm-hmm. Like it, it dips right there and like it's feet deep in water yeah. for a couple days. That same day, I ended up having to go out to like the corner market to get something. And our house was on a, a rather steep hill, um, paved street. And going out to cross that street and there being so much water coming down that it was like there was a very, I mean, it was shallow. It was maybe two inches, but just like this waterfall mm-hmm. coming down the street and being like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere after this. <laughs> like I had to go and get like eggs or something. And I was just like, this is crazy. For a while, I lived in a house where the street in front of us wasn't paved, (laughs) and um, that meant that's where all the water went Mm -hmm. and stayed, like it didn't flow off anywhere, Mm -hmm. and so every time we had to leave our house to get to our car, which we parked in an empty lot across the street, we would put plastic bags over our shoes Uh to walk across and like we would end up ankle deep in mud every time and eventually like we rolled up our pant legs every time you know like eventually we just started keeping most of our shoes in the trunk of our car Mm -hmm. and having one pair of shoes that we just these were the mud shoes right and we just wore those shoes to mud across the road every day and you know, took them off, put them in the trunk, put on our regular shoes, went to school, came back, switched, switched out. out, put the mud shoes back on, walked across. Our neighbors laughed at us so hard with our plastic bags, but they all picked up on it. They mm-hmm. all started doing it, too, with the plastic bags. Like, that's like, that's smart. What else are we going to do? It's like mud, all just right. straight up thick mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. we also had indoor flooding from rain. Mm. Did we talk about that with the housing? I don't... I I can't remember. I just remember that we did not thoroughly clean out a drain, an outside drain, and my bedroom got just flooded mm. because we weren't prepared for rain. It's so, like, uh, yeah, rain. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. We did something similar where our upstairs floor drain, like, all of a sudden we start hearing water like flowing down our stairs from upstairs and we go out and yeah, the patio deck is like a couple feet deep in water Mm -hmm. and we can't figure out, we can't quite remember where the drain is. We dig around for the drain, eventually pull out a child's shoe. Why there was a child's (laughs) shoe in our drain upstairs on the roof. I don't know. Um, But the water pressure was so strong because we also actually had unplugged other drains before that, the water started fountaining up out mm-hmm. of the ground floor drain Yikes. because so much water so much was water coming up from the roof. Yikes. Our downstairs neighbors, who were also Americans, part of our team, gave us a hard time. They're like, what are you doing up there? You guys are being so loud. <laughs> like, well, we're dealing with several feet of water. <laughs> but the good thing about... I don't know if it's a good thing. A beneficial thing is that rainy season, while it does lead to that beautiful green time, if the inside of your house has been soaked, you go right back into the super dry weather. Mm-hmm. And so it all just like dries right back up again. Yeah, yeah it dries fast. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really a mold problem where I feel like that's a constant struggle 
in, again, most of the places I have lived. Humid places. Yeah. But it does also mean that you get wonderful, beautiful dust storms. Yeah. Which can be demoralizing. (laughs) I mean, if you look out your window and normally you see, like, you know, several tall buildings and stuff, and one day you look out and it's like an orangey tan wall. Mm Mm-hmm. That's about the distance of, like, the house across the street. Mm-hmm. It's very, I don't know the right word, claustrophobic. Disconcerting? Mm. Yeah. And the best times, though, are when the dust storm and the rainstorm come together. They overlap. The rain from the north, the dust from the sandstorms in the south. And you get mud rain. Mud rain. It is the best. Which is literally mud raining down from the sky. I mean, it it coats everything. Every car, black or brown or red or green, like they all look exactly the same color. Mm-hmm. Yep. Orange. Yep. Tan. Yeah. It's just so, so terrible. I was at school and mud rain started. And like, again, I usually walked to school because it wasn't that far from my house. And I was like, I'm just going to like... I'm just going to run home. I don't have an umbrella. It's not that far. It'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I was wearing a white sweater. <laughs> oh, that, that sweater was, was never, never white again. White again. No. no. It was like polka dotty. Oh, no. It was, it was so terrible. That was my first experience with mud rain. And I remember going to bed that night and getting up the next morning and just being like, everything is covered in mud. I think it's been painted with mud. Right, like worse than snow because snow like clumps up and like if you if it snows on your car, you know, sometimes your windows aren't covered in snow. Mm-hmm. With mud rain, everything has not even a fine layer of mud. It's like a thick layer <laughs> of dusty, nasty. It's, and the dust is so fine that it's like, it's like nearly concrete yeah like if it gets on stuff and like you don't get it cleaned off if you get a hot day or something it's there it's baked on and it it's like rock awful you know that's that's how like ancient Sumerians and stuff used to be able to make bricks and stuff because it was just because the mud turned to rock the sun left it out in the sun that's baking it remember hot oven because we live in an oven yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um, so there you go. That's generally the the main weather <laughs> that we came up against. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you do get used to it. Your body sure. does become accustomed to the heat, mm-hmm. and it does become accustomed to the cold. Right. And you, it doesn't necessarily consume you as much as a single podcast about it may, may make it, make it, it seem. Sound. And you come up, like, you learn tricks with how to deal with, like, the heat and the cold. and mm-hmm. You just um, soak your sheets in water before you go to bed. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or in the winter when it's cold, you make sure you have wool socks and you wear a hat to bed. And a hot water bottle. And, and you drink bottle. lots of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you cope and you figure it out and it's fine. It's fine. What is that? the Alice in Wonderland thing? I never, ever, ever do a thing about the weather because the weather never, ever does a thing for me. (laughs) I repeated that to myself many, many times. Oh, wow. So there you go. Some advice from Alice along with it. Along with it all. 
you can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Like that scene out of the never, is it the never ending story with the horse that gets stuck in the mud that's just like, yeah, the trauma of our childhood that we shall not discuss. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Don't make us go back to that.